What's up, everybody? It's Locked On Vikings coming to you from the Super Bowl today. We're going to talk to Matt Burke a little later in the show, but it's also Tuesday, Twitter Tuesday, getting your questions here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. Show is on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. And today's episode is brought to you by GetUpside. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day. And as you might notice, it sounds a little bit different because today we are at Radio Row at the Super Bowl. Earlier today, I talked to Matt Burke a little bit about his time in Minnesota, about run games and stuff. I'm going to share that conversation with you. I'm really excited to do that, but it's also Twitter Tuesday. So I'm going to get to as many of your mailbag questions as I possibly can in the meantime. And that is where we are going to start. So the first one that I'm going to take, by the way, if you have any uh, questions for me, you can always send them to me at LukeBronNFL on Twitter, at uh, LockdownVikings on Twitter, LockdownVikingsPodcast at gmail.com. If you want to send an email, there's usually a Google form in the show notes as well. If you got anything longer form, you'd rather do that. Um, but there's been some really interesting news. So I'm going to start with a question from uh, Engelnuts, who asks, do you think that hiring a Super Bowl coach has its disadvantages in the quality of staff? Um, that, that he can hire because he can't officially be hired until after. Do you think he already guys has already has guys tabbed for spots? So he asked this question before a whole bunch of Vikings news came out. Um, so that kind of answers it for you because the Vikings have already requested some interviews. They requested an interview for DC is what it seems like they're really looking at so far. Uh, Aubrey Pleasant, the D-backs coach for the Lions. I want to look further into him. I'm, I'm kind of a fan. Wink Martindale, who's a legendary name, uh, who left the Ravens kind of mutually there. And uh, there's some other names around. They took a running backs coach. or they, There is a running backs coach in Denver who is currently leaning toward becoming the run game coordinator for the Vikings. The Vikings need a run game coordinator um, because Kevin O'Connell is a pass game passing guy. So they need a guy to, I think, do the run game. Um, and so I, I would really like... Uh, somebody in that hire. I I don't know anything about this Broncos guy. I'll get back around to it though with a little bit more research for you. Um so yeah, the the answer to that is so here's the deal. Kevin O'Connell cannot really participate in this right now. He has something more important to focus on. Um so he'll come back around in a week. And I guess that means they probably can't finalize any decisions. However, Kevin O'Connell is plenty allowed to text some friends and say, "Hey, kind of thinking about me i'm gonna need no c are you interested in the job let's talk about it um there's nothing really against that but it's a matter more of how much of the staffing are you going to do without the head coach in the room and and like how how much work of that so it's a more of a logistical issue there's no rule against this or anything like that um but sure i guess there might be a worry that like the guy you really really want totally got poached by another team or whatever um but honestly you could text a guy. Let's say he's the guy you want. You know, Please be my OC. I really want you. You're my favorite. And if that guy goes and takes another job, 
and doesn't want to wait for you, he probably wasn't going to take your job over that job anyways. Um, and like the situation where this bites you is a situation where like he was going to take your job, but he was too worried about losing the other job. So he took that just to be safe. So he made sure he got a job and then you lost out on it. And it's like such a specific scenario. I, I don't think it's something really much to worry about. For me, I'm probably going to wait until they hire actual guys and then I'll evaluate who they hired. And I don't think they had to wait till after the Super Bowl is like a valid excuse if the hire sucks. So with that in mind, I can evaluate it more earnestly. Um, the next one I'm going to take comes from JV Swaps, who asks, what's the coolest number for a quarterback to wear? Uh, my opinion is one. It's got to be one. And I'm not just saying that because Bo Brock of Lockdown Cardinals is right here. Uh, I, I, so one rules. Somebody said seven. That's objectively wrong. Seven is the Christian Ponder number, and that's terrible. Um, I think if you are a pocket passer and you're tall, you have to wear a number over 15. I think those are the rules. And um, I, I don't know. Seven can look cool on college teams, but I'm not a big I'm, I'm partial to four. I'm partial to three. I'm bigger on single-digit numbers. Um, but I think, I don't know, very hard to beat the aesthetic of a quarterback wearing number one. That's always going to look pretty cool. The next one I'm going to answer comes from Danny Casual, who asks, the Vikings were big pro proponents of spark scores under Spielman, right? Do we think that that could change with a new GM in place, or is that pretty much common approach across the league? Um, yeah, so I think every team just about has some level of, like, athletics index, athleticism index in their draft process, even if it's not, like, analytically driven, but I think most of them are by this point. But even still, you're going to have scouts that are saying, yeah, his 40 time was good and his broad jump was good or whatever. Like, everybody's incorporating these numbers, right, in some way. The Vikings had, I don't think it was Spark specifically, but it was a Spark-like index where they would take athletic data. Spielman just told us this, one of these, one of those interviews. Um, they would just take athletic data and they would kind of composite it all into some kind of index and they would really, really value that index. They were really big into athleticism. My guess is that Kwesi has his own version of that index, um, but will probably have plenty of value on athleticism. But I don't know. The analytics on whether or not athleticism is important are kind of hotly debated. So I actually don't know where Kwesi is going to land on like how much he values that, but they're going to have their own index and they're going to use it as much as they think is appropriate. Um, Minnesota Sports Now asks, if Rodgers leaves, doesn't that give us the best chance to win the division if Kirk stays on the team? I understand moving on from Kirk eventually, but when there's a solid window of opportunity, we should take advantage of that. So two questions, two answers to this. Um, one, Maybe, but Justin Fields is going into year two. That might be a bit of a barrier. Um, and two, winning the division doesn't mean anything if you aren't a good enough team to win the playoffs. Like, look, the NFC North might be one of those divisions where a nine-win team wins the division and gets a home playoff game. But where's that team going? And so that's why I say, like, I don't want to be a division. You need to build a contender. And a contender should naturally win the division. But I think we should, I don't know, aim a little higher than that. But... Again, there are some people that will say, yeah, and Kirk Cousins does make you a contender with the right coaching and protection and blah, 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 blah. And if that's the case and that's what you're going for, that's a much more sympathetic to that. Um, but I, I don't think just the division is weak. Why don't you be good, not great now is aiming high enough. Kurt with two C's asks, if we're still going to be wide zone, what are the chances we continue to draft the little baby men for the offensive line? Uh, so probably low. So the way I understand Kevin O'Connell... 
I might ask uh, Locked On Rams about this later in the week too. But the way I understand Kevin O'Connell is he actually likes varied run schemes. He likes zone, but he also likes running power and duo and gap schemes and you know counters and all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, they like to mix it up and then, depending on the opponent for the week, deploy whatever run game they think. So they want to have everything installed and then say, oh, this team's really bad at defending power. We're going to be a power team this week. And then next week we'll be a zone team. That's, I guess, his ideal like state. So I, I guess um, I'm probably going to go for more versatility on offensive line. And I'm not talking necessarily position versatility, though that's always a plus. I'm talking a guy, oh, this guy can fit in both a zone and a power scheme. And, you know, he can down block and he can reach block. So, you know, jack of all trades type lineman, which if you're not going for like the elite of the elite means you're probably going to get jack of all trades, master of none. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a fine archetype. I have a whole bunch more questions to get to. I'm definitely not going to get to all of them. But first, let me talk to you about Gramblin'. Bet Online is your one-stop shop for a good old gramble. On the Locked On NFL podcast, I actually talked to Dave Mason, who is uh, one of the people who like sets the books at Bet Online. Asked him about a bunch of prop bets. Go check that out. But you can bet on the Super Bowl props, the silly stuff, the fun stuff. How you know Cooper Cup over under to what color will Eminem's hair be, and what song will he play first at the halftime show. Um, all sorts of fun stuff. So go check that out. You can bet on football, basketball, baseball, whatever else you like. Um, you can do that at betonline.net. Enter promo code locked on. You can get a 50% welcome bonus as well. That is betonline.net, where the game starts. I also want to talk to you about my new favorite app. It is Get Upside. Buying gas sucks. It's not fun, and the prices are going up. So why don't we cut a little bit off of the top of that with Get Upside? It's an app you can get at the uh, Google Play or App Store. Just download it. It'll show you like which gas stations nearby are participating. Go fill up at one of those, take a picture of your receipt if they ask, and then um, they can just knock a little bit off the top. Enter promo code TOUCHDOWN when you sign up. You can get 25 cents or more on your first fill up. 25 cents or more on your first fill up with the Get Upside app. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Of course, we are here at Super Week, but it's not just me on Locked On Vikings. Of course, we got Locked On Rams here, Locked On Bengals, Locked On Today, Locked On Now. We got everybody here at the Super Bowl doing interviews and stuff. Um, And I even got one coming up later in the show with Matt Burke. So make sure you stick around for that. Um, Let's continue on with, I got a long one here from uh, Kyle Slaby who asks, acknowledging that three and four, four, three base defenses as a concept isn't clear cut in the NFL, which is true, by the way. Don't let that distinction uh, trick you. Um, which current Vikings defenders would fit best in a 3-4 defense, and is there enough building block players to dictate any scheme change? Um, So here's the deal. With the Vikings, they ran a varied front last year. They were a 4-3 team under Zimmer for years and years and years. Last year, they transitioned and stole concepts from Patrick Graham, which I think is part of why he ended up going so deep into the head coaching thing. Um, They stole a lot from Patrick Graham, and I guess to a greater degree, Vic Fangio, um, and those defenses, which are 3-4 defenses. But if you looked at what Patrick Graham has done in in New York with the Giants, and this is a, a huge part of why I liked him as a head coach is because I loved this. But a lot of bare fronts which means three defensive tackles inside the offensive tackle. So, like, you're loading up the middle. Um, And also, uh, that means kind of flattening out the front. So you have five people up on the line of scrimmage and only one linebacker off the ball, or, you know, 6-1 or 6-2 or something like that. Um, That sort of, those sorts of fronts, the Vikings actually employed that quite a bit, and that really seamlessly transitioned into the Zimmer blitzes that want to have seven, eight guys on the line of scrimmage and you don't know who's coming. Um, So with all that in mind, they are kind of halfway to it already. And depending on who they get for uh, for defensive coordinator, 
they could kind of go either way. And so which players fit it best? A lot of these players fit both equally, I guess. Like um, Dalvin Tomlinson could be a 4-I in a 3-4, which means he lines up kind of on the inside shoulder of the tackle, or he could be a 3-tech in a 4-3, which means he lines up between the tackle and guard. You're moving the guy like two inches over. Um, you could also see Michael Pierce could be a 4-3 nose tackle, and I think he's got plenty of destructive power to be like a head-up, zero-technique, big-boy-in-the-middle type nose um, if he can you know stay healthy and stay on the field. So I, I think your front is sort of built. I think Eric Kendricks could work in both. Um, Daniel Hunter is obviously scheme agnostic. There is no scheme that doesn't have a use for a, a giant like hyena that's also a Captain America. Um, there's, yeah, I, I think they have a fairly versatile personnel, but they also have a very incomplete personnel. They kind of have nobody in the secondary. So I don't know. They don't really have any corners. They don't really, they're missing a linebacker. They need another edge rusher. They need a safety. Um, so the guys they have are pretty versatile, but whatever they end up building, they're missing like six or seven starters on, on the, the defense. So that's kind of scary there. Um, and so whatever they build, they will have the flexibility to build it, but that's not necessarily a good thing because it means they haven't built anything. Waka Waka asks, can we get anything from the Super Bowl that would be an indication of O'Connell's performance or is the performance of the Rams offense irrelevant? So I was having a, an interesting time. I was watching some Rams tape trying to get uh, get used to Kevin O'Connell and learn about him. And it's weird because the the... the delineation of or distribution of responsibility that I understand is Kevin O'Connell comes up with the game plan. He writes the menu and uh, Sean McVay calls the plays. He picks from the menu and he sequences them and he kind of creates the structure. And then of course he oversees the process entirely. He still owns the menu, but he delegates that to Kevin O'Connell. And so what I get is, you know, whenever you see a play, understand that Kevin O'Connell probably said, I like this play against the Bengals. And that's what you see again. Like that's so, so if they get a play that totally, you know, snipes the Bengals and catches them blitzing or something like that, you know, you say, okay, Kevin O'Connell said he liked that play against the Bengals, but Sean McVay was the one that decided, oh, we're running this on a second and seven. And of course there's going to be more, it's, it's a blurrier line than that, right? Cause they'll say, Hey, I love this on third downs or I love this in the red zone. Like that's the, the structure of a game plan. And, and Kevin O'Connell would still be categorizing things like that, but the actual decision to do it and sequencing it. And the, you know, the decision to sequence this play after he's called a play that sets it up, that kind of stuff is still McVay. So you can glean something, but you have to be really careful as to like what part of the, like, what made that successful? Was it that it was really well sequenced with plays before it? That's McVay. Or was it, oh my God, that design was awesome. That's O'Connell. So you can definitely get something, but you got to be careful. Um, Chris asks, if Tom Brady wanted to be the offensive coordinator, would you be interested? Probably. Uh, I mean, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't think he's going to go into coaching though. I think he's going to go into media, but I guess, I don't know. It's weird with like former quarterbacks most of these, we saw this with Josh McCown and the Texans where they wanted to hire him as head coach, but like, dude's got to be a position coach for like a hot second first. Even the greatest of greatests still probably have to climb up the ladder a little bit. So I'd be a little wary of that, but also he's like the greatest to ever do it. So I think he could probably just waltz into any building and get whatever job he wants if he wanted to. I don't know. He's, he's a weird figure. Um, let's do a couple more. Aaron R. asks, what are the chances the Vikings try to extend Kirk with Kevin O'Connell and reach the future franchise quarterback, reach for the future franchise quarterback in, 23, in the 2023 draft and then allow them a couple years to learn under Kirk? It's a proven successful strategy and I'm here for it. Kirk is a smart player to a fault most of the time. 
So I guess my, the, the only issue I have with this plan is the timeline because you've got, okay, so you've got a year of Kirk Cousins and then you draft in 2023. That's another year of Kirk Cousins. And then you're developing that guy for two years. So that's a third year of Kirk Cousins. So you're basically, I mean, by that time, everybody who we love on the roster is expensive or old. You know, Daniil Hunter will be pushing 30. Dalvin Cook will be old. Uh, Justin Jefferson will probably be on a gigantic contract. So you're going to have more cap issues. Um, it's going to be really difficult to keep the cap, and it's going to be difficult to keep all those players in. So for this to work, you have to draft really, really well outside of um, outside of the quarterback that you like. And, of course, you got to hope that that guy works out. If he doesn't work out, you're screwed, but that's going to be the case with any plan. So that's not really a differentiating factor. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just too slow. But I will say... Um, if you want to do the bridge quarter, like if you want to draft a quarterback in 2023, I think that guy's got to be starting in 2023. And then if it takes him some time to figure out things and, and, you know, you're kind of building to something, I can be a little bit more willing to be patient, but I don't want to wait three years before my quarterback gets his first snap. That's too long to wait. Give me one year and then that guy's going to start getting his experience. Um, but it's just too long to wait. I think that's just too slow of a timeline. Um, I think I got time for one more. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to do this just because Bob Rock's sitting next to me. Uh, Murray unfollowed the Cardinals on his social media. Anyway, you think we can swing a Kirk and a pick for Kyler. Um, Bo, what do you think? No. I don't know if you He said no emphatically, so we're going to go with that. <laughs> All right. That's going to be it for the mailbag here, but I do have this thing for uh, with, with Matt Burke. I want to share with you. I asked him stuff about like running behind Adrian or running with uh, in front of Adrian, or blocking in front of Adrian Peterson. Um, asked him uh, a whole bunch of interesting stuff. Can't wait to share that conversation. So um, stick around for that. Get excited. But first, let me talk to you about your car. It's really important to make sure that you are taking care of your car. And that means you got to get the right price. Uh, the right parts, the right oil, um, and especially if you're a do-it-yourself or you're trying to save some money, maybe change your own oil or something, go no further than rockauto.com. They have a sick catalog where you can enter your make, your year, and your model. You can get whatever parts you want delivered directly to your door, and then whether you're doing it yourself or you're bringing that to a mechanic, and that means you only have to pay the mechanic for labor. They're not going to upcharge you for the parts. Um, you can do just that. Delivered right to your door. Super easy. You can save like 30, 50, 100% t- uh, like savings on this stuff. Like you can, you can cut this thing in half if you shop right on rockauto.com. So head on over to rockauto.com. They're a family website. They've been doing this for 15 years. They know exactly what they're doing. Head on over there. And in the how you heard about us section, make sure you let them know that Locked On sent you. Because if you don't, the rabbits might do something that gets this entire event shut down. And we do not want that. Head on over to rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. We're talking here with uh, Matt Burke, Super Bowl 47 champion, former Viking, former Raven. I'm going to be a little biased now and uh, talk to you about uh, that your time your time with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, remind me the exact years that, that you were there before you went to Baltimore. 98 through 08. 98 through 08. Okay, so you had been through a couple of um, infamous Vikings moments, some, some deep playoff runs, though. So I guess... The, the playoffs are always so different. So one of the things I was really looking forward to asking you is take me inside the mentality. I mean, look, you're preparing for a regular season game is one thing. And preparing for a playoff game, an NFC championship game, um, that's a totally different thing. Tell me how that vibe changes and how you maybe got used to that over the years. Well, I think everything just gets kind of ratcheted up a notch because the playoffs, it's it's final. You know, if, mm-hmm. if, if, if you lose, it's over. And we all know that feeling when all of a sudden the season's just over. Um, so you have to know that in the playoffs, um, 
I, I think that the teams that I was on that were successful that made a deep run or the one that won the Super Bowl is you actually make it more simple than you do during the regular season. You make sure that everybody knows exactly what we're doing every single play. And that means it's it's bread and butter. It's your identity. And that's why, the, you know, where the regular season is important, that's just important to win games and do this. But you really have to find out who you are as a football team. So then come the playoffs, you know exactly what you have. And you just, and you need to just call your best plays, line up your best guys, and just see if your best is better than their best. Um, you, I mean, because because the stage is bigger and the stakes are higher and all that, you almost have to dumb it down a little bit or, or make it even simpler, which is, I think, a little bit counterintuitive for what some coaches and players think you have to do in the playoffs, which is, you know, find some secret play or, you mm-hmm. know, do some secret uh, secret pregame routine. Uh, no, that is that is that is not the time for that stuff. It's it, it's the time to be exactly who you are. It's interesting. I, a while back, I talked to Chuck Foreman on Locked On Vikings, and I asked him about, okay, so what went wrong, man? You were in all those Super Bowls. What what, what do you blame? And he said the exact same thing. He said, we tried to be somebody we weren't, and yeah. that's why that all fell apart. Um, so I guess, let me, let me I want to reminisce with you a little bit about all of those old days. Um, you had some absolutely awesome Vikings running backs run behind you. You blocked for Adrian Peterson, for Robert Smith. Shoot, Chester Taylor, no slouch. Who was your favorite guy of all of those? Who's your favorite guy to block for? Well, I, I mean, I would have to say Adrian Peterson because... I figured. <laughs> I mean, you know, I had him when, when he was young and, you know, he'd always just had this big smile ear to ear. He was just like a, he's just like a golden retriever, you know. He just, he just <laughs> wanted to, he just wanted to run. He was just happy sure. running. And he was so funny because it was maddening sometimes he would he would miss holes, uh, you know. I mean, a, a lot. And you'd be like, mm-hmm. Adrian, it's the hole's right where it's supposed to be. Where are you going? Be, oh, I, I, I saw something, and you know, you wouldn't overcoach him because then sometimes he would, he if if he'd have gone where he was supposed to go, it would have been a disaster. But he did something else, and it was a seventy yard touchdown run. You yeah. know, But it was just to watch him how hard he ran all the time. You know, he didn't just make me better because he made me look better, but he made me better because this guy, it was, he just, he had a level of intensity that I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody that could match that. And so he just kind of, just by his example, he made everybody, I think, play a, play a little bit harder. And he was just mm-hmm. a, just a warrior. And, and, and obviously, you know, once, I mean, a once in a decade talent. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, th- 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 those were fun. Those were a fun two years with him. Yeah, that sounds like a really good time. Okay, you said something really interesting I want to drive in on because there's so much run game doesn't matter, running backs don't matter, all this stuff. But you said running backs make the O-line look better. And I believe that wholeheartedly, and I would love to hear more about what that means. Um, and don't be afraid to go into the weeds a little bit about like technique or blocks or whatever. But what, what does that mean? when? How, what does it look like when a running back does something that makes the O-line look better? Well, I think, you know, you're not going to block it perfectly every time. And so mm-hmm. I think I think a great running back and what's probably most underestimated in that position is when it's not there for a running back, just put your head down, get forward and take the no gain or minus one versus a minus six or seven. Um, you know, we always say like the, like the old line's responsible for the first five yards. After that, it's it's either wide receivers blocking or running backs just using their natural talent. Now, if a guy busts a 75-yard run during a game, chances are he's going to end up with a buck 50 or so, mm-hmm. and they're going to say, "Wow, the O-line blocked really well," you know. But <laughs> Perfect. That's, I mean, that's that's really not the case. But I think for for not every play 
even though it's drawn up in the playbook where you're supposed to hit your head on the goalpost, that's not how it is. And so if, if you're running an inside zone play, sometimes four yards is all there is or two mm-hmm. yards is, is all there is. And so good running backs, I think, understand that and aren't trying to, aren't trying to hit home runs every time they get the ball. Because when you do that, you know, those, and, and particularly this is young guys who in college, it's, it's a different game and they just, they're used to outrunning people and making guys miss. That doesn't happen a lot in the NFL. And so it's just, it's taken what's there. You know, sometimes you're going to call a bad play. It's into a bad look. You just, you just take your medicine, get the ball, get up in there, get what you can get and, uh, and, and live to fight another day. And I think good running backs understand that, that sometimes three yards is the best you can do on a play. Make sure you end the end the play with the ball, hand it to the referee, and let's line up again. Yeah, it makes sense, and that's it's a kind of a war of a of attrition thing. Um, okay, one more Vikings question, and then we'll talk a little bit about the Ravens too, which will be on Locked On Ravens if it's just Vikings fans listening to this. Um, I have to because you are a former Viking. I'm I'm obligated by the cosmos to ask for your Kirk Cousins opinion. Vikings have a big old decision with with the quarterback. Um, you know, big contract, do you extend him? Do you trade him? What do you do? You are Quasi Adolfo Mensa. You're in charge of the Vikings. You get carte blanche to do whatever you want with Kirk Cousins. What's your plan? Well, it was, you can do a lot worse than Kirk Cousins at quarterback in the NFL. I mean, I think Kirk has, I mean, at times he has shown that he is as capable as anyone. And the one thing that Kirk has not had in his time in Minnesota, I think is for a majority of the season, above average offensive line play. I think it's been average to slightly below average. And he's mm-hmm. he's not a guy. He's not a guy that's going to run around and, you know, make make plays. Do the Joe Burrow um, thing, yeah. Right. No, he, he he's not that guy. So so I'd say Vikings fans, let's stop yelling at Kirk Cousins for just being himself, right? This is this is what we have. I said earlier this year and I got killed for it before the season started. I said Kirk Cousins is as effective as Tom Brady right now. Because you saw when when when, Why do you when, think when you got yelled at for that, Matt? <laughs> but but what do you think when happened the, there? right right now, when the pocket is good, Tom Brady's great. Kirk Cousins is great. They both get into trouble when the pocket breaks down because that's not that's not who they are. Uh, and you know, I, I know you can't have all stars at every position. The Vikings have great weapons. Okay, if they can figure out a way to shore up that offensive line where Kirk feels comfortable, he's got to feel comfortable where hey most of the time I know I'm going to be there there's been games where he's been running for his life the entire game and and no no quarterback's going to really thrive unless you're Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers you can do it but other than that if I I I think what's really lacking is just his confidence I mean really he's going to say all the right things but knowing that the guys up front most of the time are going to give him good protection I think if you get that you'll see Kirk Cousins you know go to another plateau and and everybody always likes to point out his record on primetime games and this yeah, and that. Listen, nobody, everybody's got the label. You, they, he can't win the big game until he wins the big game. So that's fine. You know, the, the only person that's never had that stigma is Tom Brady because he won it his first year. Everybody mm-hmm. else goes and fills Peyton Manning for years and years and for years. For years, yeah. Couldn't get over the hump. And then once he does, it's like, oh, yeah, he's one of the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't worry about that stigma. I don't worry about Kirk's mentality he is who he is you have to understand that and you have to put you know the right pieces around him I also think that as far as from a and this is just a total outsider's view from a personality uh leadership qualities you know Kirk Kirk's Kirk's his Kirk's his own man you know I don't think he's sure. the guy that huddle grab 
tapping guys by the face mask. I don't think anybody on that offense is. And I think that that's, that's what it's missing is kind of that one guy who can be a, maybe be a little bit nasty, maybe getting guys faces a little bit and tell them that they got to, that they got to pick their stuff up. Um, you know, a little bit more of, of an edge to that Vikings offense. So when things are going bad, they can, they can stop the, the downward spiral and pull themselves up and, and, and play like they're capable of playing. But too often you just kind of see it. They don't start off well, and then it, it, it never it never yeah. gets any better. Thank you all so much for taking a little bit of time to make Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day every single day. We'll be back tomorrow with more cool stuff from Super Week, so I'm really hoping that I can give you some really cool stuff from here. In the meantime, check out the Lockdown Bets podcast with your boy Q, handicapping expert Lee Sterling. They are going to help you get your grambles straight. I will see you all tomorrow, and as always, skull.